Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. I am Lisa Lang. I am on my own today, not with my husband, David. Uh, He is sitting this one out. Um, Thanks for joining us again. I'm sorry there's been a bit of a gap. Uh, I've been sick. David was sick. Some of the kids were sick. um, And it's summertime, so things are a little nuts. But we're finally getting around to recording this. And um, I'm on my own today because I'm doing some... uh, some classes coming up on overcoming insecurity. And this is a series that I have done a few times over the last several years. And um, I'm excited to share it with you today. This class uh, is shared from a female perspective, but if you are a man listening to this class, please continue to join. Um, I think that this, a lot of these these things that I'm going to talk about today can definitely relate to men as well as women. Um, I want to begin by just saying that I am not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. Uh, The things that I'm sharing today are simply from my own experience, things that I have learned as I am a person that struggles with insecurity. I have battled out um, overcoming my insecurities from the scriptures and um These are some of the things that I have learned over the years, things that have helped me that I hope could help you um, as I share them with you with with humility, knowing that these are these are just things that God has taught me. And um, if they're helpful to you, great. Um, So overcoming insecurity. Uh, First, I want to start out with defining what is insecurity. I would define it as a lack of confidence, doubting oneself, doubting your capabilities, feeling like others are better than you, feeling down on yourself because of that. Um, I believe insecurity comes from comparing ourselves with others, Um, their looks, their accomplishments, what they have, um, and feeling like you and your life and accomplishments aren't as good as what someone else has. What I have learned from Bible study and self-reflection is that I believe insecurity is rooted in pride. I will explain that in this Bible Bible series and hopefully give you some tools to try to overcome insecurity in your own life. I believe it takes learning to care more what God thinks of you than what others think, um, or even what you think about yourself. It takes learning to care more what God thinks uh, to overcome insecurity. A lot of times we value what others think about us or even our own opinion of ourself uh, matters more to us than what God thinks. And um, that many times is the root of insecurity. I want to clarify something from the beginning. Um, I believe that insecurity is different than low self-esteem. And I want everybody listening to really hear that because I think in in my experience, a lot of people that have come to me and told me that they struggle with insecurity actually really struggle with low self-esteem. And I do believe that they're, they're different. Some of us can struggle with both, definitely, but I don't think they are the same. In this lesson, I'm talking about insecurity, not low self-esteem. I am going to do a whole class on low self-esteem. Um, 
I believe low self-esteem can stem from other factors such as abuse and constant negative self-thinking. The things that I'm about to address may not help or relate to someone with low self-esteem. In fact, it may make someone with low self-esteem just feel more guilty. (laughs) So I want to preface that. Um, If you hear some of these things, they don't totally relate or you end up feeling like kind of bad. Some of these things may not help you. It may not be quite your struggle, some of the things that I'm explaining. But I will do a whole class on low self-esteem that hopefully will be helpful as well. And Hopefully, as I explain, it will become clear how the two are different. Um, So overcoming insecurity. I am a person that has struggled with insecurity uh, from a very young age. Um, I always compared myself with other people. I started dancing at the age of four. And I do believe that dancing, um, performing, the whole theater world, um, there's a lot of self-scrutiny and self-comparison when you choose that career or profession. Uh, I went to NYU for musical theater. I was in a very prestigious program, um, this musical theater studio called CAP 21. Um, And my classmates are among some very... Uh, very successful professionals in that field, and um, it was a there was a lot of high standards, a lot of comparison, and uh, a lot of insecurity can come out of that. And um, that is, it's just been something I've struggled with for a long time. So I've had to really go to the scriptures to help me to figure this out, to learn to be a woman that puts her confidence and trust in God. Um, so where I'm going to start with this, uh, I want to take us back to the beginning, actually. I believe as humans, it is in our nature to be competitive and to want to be the best. Um, and it is in our nature to not be content with who God made us to be. I want to start at the beginning in Genesis. Uh, I think we'll see that this is very clear um, from the from the very beginning. Genesis chapter one, verse thirty-one. We're going to start there. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God made us. He said we were good and he rested. When God made you, he made you exactly as he wanted you to be. And then he said, she is good. He is good. I want to note something here. We all know that God is perfect, but God is not a perfectionist. See, a perfectionist is never really satisfied with their work. Rarely do they finish something and say, It is done. It is perfect. I don't know why I felt like saying that in a British accent. I just felt like it needed to be said in a British accent. Um, 
<laughs> Rarely, I think, if you struggle with perfectionism, I think it's it's rare that you get to the point you're like, yeah, I'm satisfied. It's done. It's complete. It's totally perfect. Um, especially uh, when you're working on something creative that is subject to opinion. I think artists are often never really totally pleased with their work. But look at God's example here. He made the heavens and the earth. He made us. He said he was done and that it was good. You know, God could have kept improving on the human. He could have given us faster legs. He could have given us the ability to fly. Or, you know, he could have improved the earth, like made glowing plants and floating mountains, like on Pandora, if you're an a Avatar fan. But he didn't. He made it just how he wanted, and he was done. I wonder if some of us had been with God while he was creating the earth, we would have said, God, why don't, why don't you just give us some, like a little bit more power to the human? Let us fly. Give us super senses and, you know, make, make the mountains light up or something. I mean, we, we probably would have critiqued God. Um, <laughs> Oh, my goodness, that it is in our nature, isn't it? Um, but God, God was satisfied. You know, I think some of us are just never satisfied with ourselves. We are perfectionists about ourselves. We think we're never thin enough or fit enough. And we have ideals in our minds of what we should be, what we should look like, or what we should accomplish. But sometimes these ideals and goals are unrealistic and will always be out of our reach. Therefore, we're never satisfied and we're always feeling insecure because we can't live up to our own standards. When we struggle with insecurity about who we are as a person or what we look like, it stems from a discontent with how God made you and who he made you to be. Sometimes we even blame God, feeling like it was unfair of him to make someone else more talented than us or prettier than us or skinnier than us. It's not fair. Why can that person eat whatever they want and not gain any weight? But I can't, and I have to be on a diet. I think in order to overcome insecurity, we need to learn to be content with who we are before God, who He sees us as, what He gave us, and what He expects us to be. Let me, let me give you a little quick example from my own life, okay? I'm not a very tall woman. I will never be a tall woman. I can wear high heels to make myself look taller, but the fact is I'm five foot two and a half. I like to say that half, um, but I will never be taller. Now, I could be upset about this my whole life or I can accept it. And I will be completely honest with you. I've totally accepted this and I'm really not insecure about my height, but there is something that I do have to accept about my height. See, when I was a little girl, the women who taught me to dance had been Radio City Music Hall Rockettes. And uh, some people probably under the age of 40 won't even know what those are. But um, 
Uh, people back in the 50s and 60s, the Rockettes were a huge deal. They were like celebrities. Um, they were tap dancers who tapped at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And they dance in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade every year. If you've seen them, that's where that you've seen them. Anyway, my teachers had been Rockettes. And so I wanted to be one when I grew up because they were like the epitome of tap dancers to me. And I was a tap dancer. And the truth is, and I say this, I try to say this with humility, I was a good enough tap dancer to be a Rockette. They, they do pretty simple tap moves. I, I could have been one, but I lacked one thing, height. You have to be between 5'6 and 5'10 and a half inches tall to be a Rockette. So no matter how good a tap dancer I was, I could never be a Rockette. And I had to let go of that dream. Now, I could have been mad at God for making me short and never being able to realize my dream of being a Rockette, but wouldn't it just be better to accept my height and surrender? which is obviously what I've done. And this may be silly, okay? It might, it might seem silly to you, but sometimes it isn't so obvious that we're actually dissatisfied with the way God made us. We may be upset at our face when we look in the mirror, wishing our nose were smaller or straighter. We may not like the wrinkles we see appearing and getting deeper over time. We may dislike, even hate, the shape our body is, things that no amount of dieting or exercise will ever change. Your bones are shaped the way they are. Your body is a certain shape. Your breasts are a certain size. Your legs have their own shape. But sometimes we wish we had different legs, different hips, a different stomach. We look at ourselves and we hate what we see. We exercise and try to diet to change things about the, ourselves that we really never can change unless we have surgery, which some of us do. Now, I won't get into this now. I'm not necessarily against plastic surgery. I do see it as a blessing from God, but in many ways it can be abused, and I know all of us have seen this. I myself have had some reconstructive plastic surgery done on my body, which I may, be, may get into at some point, but I do think there are times um, when it's excessive and it becomes an obsession and a manifestation of our own discontent. And many people that have had plastic surgery, especially to their faces, are never really content after the surgery. But I digress. That may save that for another time. Um, you know, beyond our bodies, uh, you may have a certain set of skills or talents, but you might not think those talents are so great. Um, you might wish you had someone else's talents. You think someone else's talents are better than your own. God gave you the, the ability to math, but you wish you were an artist. <laughs> Did I say the ability to math? The ability <laughs> to do math. <laughs> you might have a scientific brain, but you wish you had an artistic brain. Um, or vice versa. You might be an artist, but you wish you could like do math. Um, Many times we're just discontent with the blessings that God has given us. Um, back to Genesis. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This verse is significant because the nakedness represents complete vulnerability, complete realness, everything laid bare, literally naked. 
but nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide. This is true confidence, but it didn't come from Adam and Eve trying to take confidence in themselves. They actually were most likely never really thinking about the things we think about here in the garden. All they knew was that God made them and they were pleasing to him and that's all that mattered. I don't think Eve was complaining that God made her hips too big or that her hair was too frizzy. I don't think Adam was frustrated that he couldn't get more work done in a day that he was able. They just felt no shame. They were totally confident. They had nothing to hide. This is the way that God intended humans to live. This was his plan. But we wanted more than what God had planned. Let's take a look at the serpent here. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, what happened here? Satan placed a doubt in Eve's mind. This doubt was the idea that God was holding out on her. He made her feel like what God had planned for her wasn't good enough. She needed more, more than what God made from her. God didn't give you everything. He's holding out on you. She needed something more. She needed something better. In fact, she wasn't good enough. She should be better than she is. The way God made her wasn't good enough. Satan told her there is something more for her that was attainable, that she could be better, maybe even as good as God himself. Satan planted a seed of competition, a competitive spirit in Eve. He planted the idea, God's better than you because he knows more than you. Do you want God to be better than you? Why should he know more than you? So Eve gave into the temptation to want to be better. See, I think it's ingrained in us as human beings to feel like we are not enough the way God made us that we should be better. But see, who does that idea come from? 
Does that come from God? God was the one that said, we're good. We're enough. So no, those thoughts don't come from God. Those thoughts come from the devil who is tempting us to go outside the will of God to better ourselves. See, this is Satan's thing. He wants us to try to be better than God. He wants to be better than God. He is competitive with God. He could not accept that God was, quote unquote, better than him. He was not content with who his creator made him to be. He wanted more. So he went outside the will of God to get it. And from the very beginning, he has been trying to get us to be more like him. To think that we aren't good enough the way God made us. That God was holding out on us. He also gets us to compare ourselves with other people and to feel like we got the short end of the stick. It's been happening from the beginning. Let's move on to another story from the beginning. Genesis chapter 4, story of Cain and Abel. Not only do we feel like we need to try to be better than God or God's holding out on us, we got to get more from him, but we also compare ourselves and are competitive with our fellow man. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Okay, so Cain was clearly jealous of Abel here. God liked what Abel brought more than what Cain brought. And, you know, it's hard to know exactly why. Um, It appears that God likes meat more than vegetables. Little joke there. Um, No, honestly, it's hard to know exactly what about Cain's offering God didn't like. I've often wondered um, if the issue wasn't so much with what Cain brought, but how he brought it. Maybe there was a problem with his heart and his attitude in his offering. Um, God says to him, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? See, I think there must have been something about Cain's heart that wasn't right before God. Not so much his, what he brought. Um, Maybe he gave this offering begrudgingly. Maybe it wasn't a generous offering. Maybe he gave the vegetables that were misshapen or bruised. And maybe Abel gave the very best of his flock. Um, But the truth we see here is that God wants us to do what is right. 
He isn't pleased when we sin. He isn't pleased when we hold sin in our hearts and we don't change. He wants us to do what is right and make our hearts right before him. But God loves Cain. He does love Cain just as much as he loved Abel. He didn't make Abel better. He didn't like give Abel all the good gifts and make Abel like this evil person. There was never a competition of let's see who can bring the better offering to God. That was never there. But Cain made it a competition. And he made it a competition that he lost. And he was so angry about it that he made sure he would never lose to his brother again. In his competitive, jealous nature, he went out and he killed his brother. Cain, in his pride to want to be better than his brother, became insecure about himself and about who he was. When we want to be better than than others, but we fall short, we become insecure. This is a manifestation of our pride, our pride to want to be the best. See, overcoming insecurity doesn't mean that we learn to see ourselves as perfect with no flaws. It means that we can accept our flaws without it destroying us. Cain's problem is that he compared himself with his brother. If Cain would have just looked at himself and changed his offering or his heart to be pleasing to God without comparing himself to his brother, he would have been okay. See, we become insecure when we compare ourselves with others. There will always be someone who is prettier than you, skinnier, with a better body shape. There will always be someone who runs faster than you, has a bigger house than you, has more money, can accomplish more in a day than you can, has children who are more obedient than yours, who has a more pleasing singing voice, who has more followers on Instagram than you, who can cook better, keep a cleaner house, has a cooler house decorated than you, is better at your favorite sport, who will score higher on any test than you, or make better grades than you, or beat you at any game you're good at. If you are looking, you will always find someone who does anything better than you. It's so funny. We're watching the Olympics right now. The Olympics are going on. And um, it's amazing because some people come into the Olympics as number one in the world. They've already competed against all these same people. But yet they come to the Olympics and some of them don't even get medals and someone else wins the gold and is crowned the new best in the world. (laughs) And it's kind of funny because, you know, as the average person, you watch these athletes and you're like, okay, well, they're, they all look pretty good to me. (laughs) I can't, can't do any of those things. Like, how can you really say that one is better? I mean, they had a, a competition on a day and this person just happened to make less mistakes than this person. But are they really better? I mean, really, can you say that this person that can do all these amazing things isn't as good as, as this person that won the gold? Um, 
it's it's so subjective. Uh, so many people are so talented, but how can we truly say um, that someone is the the very very best? Um, you know, beauty contests, supermodels, all of it is relative. Um, what someone thinks is beautiful, someone else doesn't. One person may win a Grammy because of their singing voice and songwriting ability, um, but they might have many people who hate that song and think they're terrible singers because they simply don't like the sound of their voice. Um, so all of it really is so subjective. But one of the saddest things that we can do is blame God for how he made us. We see someone who is prettier than us in our estimation or more talented or beats us at something, and we feel like God gave us the shaft. We think that God doesn't love us as much because he didn't make us like that. This is a lie from the devil, and it's the same lie he told Adam and Eve in the garden. He's been telling us from the beginning and we need to still still recognize his voice in our minds today. You know, in order for us to all be completely equal in physical appearance and talents and abilities, God would have had to make us all exactly the same. Imagine how boring the world would be if we all looked the same. If we all had the same amount of talents and capabilities. We'd be like the clone army from Star Wars. Imagine that. I don't think any of us wants the world that way. Um, but we really want in our heart of hearts as humans, I think, to be the best. At least those of us that struggle with insecurity. I think deep down, it stems from a desire to be the best, to be better than others. We want to be the prettiest, the smartest, the most talented. I was not able to overcome my insecurities until I accepted this truth about myself. The truth is, I feel insecure when I think someone is prettier than me. When I think someone is better than me at something, I feel insecure because deep down, I want to be the best. That is in my nature. And it is so humbling to accept and admit that that is in my heart, but that is where my insecurity stems from. That is in my heart. I don't feel insecure when I'm around people that I think I'm prettier than. I don't feel insecure around people who I know I'm smarter than or think I sing better than. But as soon as a better singer comes around or someone who's smarter or someone who's prettier, I start to doubt myself and feel insecure. Why? Because I want to be better, better than them. And I wish God had made me better. I wish I had a different body shape. I wish I were more organized. I wish I were more fill in the blank. I live in Myrtle Beach and I'm surrounded by people in bathing suits and bikinis all the time. And I'm constantly seeing women that that are in better shape than me. But, you know, I don't really think about it. If, there's, if I'm not around anybody else that's in a bikini that has a more in-shape body than me, but as soon as someone comes around, all of a sudden I start to notice all of my flaws. Ugh, 
I need to, I need to work out. I need to get in better shape. I doubt myself because I compare myself to this person that's next to me. This is an ugly truth to accept about myself. I get insecure because I want to be the best. The key to me overcoming my insecurities is to go back to the garden. I need to understand that God created me in his image and he said I was good. God knit me together in my mother's womb and he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Psalm 139. He made me different than others. He gave me certain talents and some talents he didn't give me but gave to others instead. He made my body a certain shape. He gave me certain hair texture, a certain skin tone. He had me born into a specific family in a specific economic bracket for reasons only he understands. It's not better or worse than anyone else. It just is what God had planned for me. But the truth is that God loves me how he made me. He wanted me to be this way. Now, I'm not talking about the sinful things that we do. God isn't pleased with our sin, but he did give us certain weaknesses that he desires for us to learn from and to grow in. And the more we can accept these weaknesses and embrace who we are, not seeing ourselves as flawed, but as unique because God wants us to be unique, we will be able to overcome insecure thinking. Now, this is not all going to be explained in one class. This is going to be a series. And this is a process. We begin a pattern of insecure thinking from the time we are children. So it will take time to overcome that. It has taken me a lot of work and I am still working and battling at this, and I probably will be the rest of my life. Um, this first class is hopefully going to open our eyes to how Satan tries to wrap us in his web of lies, how Satan tells us that we are not enough as God made us, that we need to be more, that we need to be better than others, that we need to be best. And hopefully you can start to see how you have bought into Satan's lies about yourself. The first step in overcoming insecurity in your life is in self-awareness. You have to understand the root of your insecurity in order to change it. Somewhere in your life, you believed a lie. What was that lie? And how have you made decisions based on on that lie. Pray about that. God will reveal that to you if you ask him. Um, I talked earlier about low self-esteem. Low self-esteem is different than insecurity, and I'm not really getting into that right now, um, but I do believe low self-esteem can be developed from abuse and constant negative talk in your life. Low self-esteem is when you really don't think you are worth anything and that there's not much good about you at all. It's not really about competing with others. It's more that something was broken. Your view of yourself was broken and you believed a lie about yourself and you, do, you believe you're not worth much. 
This can be overcome by going back to the garden and learning to accept that we are extremely valuable to God, so valuable that he gave up his own son so that he could have you. But that really is a whole different lesson. Um, And I do believe that uh, those with low self-esteem, many times it takes counseling, professional counseling, to overcome um, recovering from abuse and negativity in your life. Um, And again, I'm not claiming to have all the answers to that, but I'm hoping to point us in the direction of some some tools um, to use from the scriptures and to grow in our walk with God uh, so that we can have some victories in that area. Overcoming insecurity is a process. It's not going to change overnight or after one lesson. Um, But I am going to do some lessons that will hopefully shed more light on the topic. Um, So it's going to take humbling yourself before God and asking Him to help you see if there is pride in your heart. Ask yourself these questions Am I content? with the way God made me? Or do I feel like God could have made me better in some way? And how do I feel towards God because of this? If I feel like God should have made me better or is holding out on me, how do I feel toward him because of that? Ask yourself, Is there something in me that feels like I need to be better than others at certain things or in certain areas? Am I competitive when it comes to these things? And do I feel insecure when someone is better than me in these areas? And honestly, I would ask you to look at your strengths. A lot of times, I'm the most insecure about the things that I'm actually good at. I get insecure because I know I'm good at these things, but I want to be the best. And that is where my pride comes in. And it is so it is so hard for me to admit to these things, but I share them with you, hopefully, to help you um, as, as I've had to, to learn these things. We have to recognize um, if there is pride there in order to change. Once you see it, that's like half the battle. Um, being self-aware is is such a huge thing. If you can recognize it, if you can see it, then you can take it to God and you can pray. You can pray about how you feel. You can pray about wanting to be the best. Pray about being discontent with how God made you, um, if that's how you feel. Then reread the scriptures in Genesis Pray that God will help you to be content with how he made you and who he made you to be. And pray that you will learn to stop comparing your life with others and that you will stop making everything in life a competition. One thing that has helped me is talking with good friends who can understand and relate. And thankfully, I have some of those. Um, it, It is important to have people that you can talk to about these things in your life. Um, I do believe that that if we can learn to be aware of these things, God will help us to change. Um, Another thing that has helped me tremendously is just going to the scriptures for 
the truth about myself. And um, I'll cover this some more in some of the um, the following classes. But um, the Psalms have helped me tremendously. Just going to the Psalms and seeing how God feels about me, um, underlining scriptures that talk about how God feels about me, like the one in Psalm 139 that I mentioned about how I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have to pray over that, meditate on it, memorize it, and decide to believe it because Satan whispers lies in my head that that's not true. And I have to battle him with the scriptures, but it takes effort and practice and daily working at it to over overcome this. I also um, am going to talk about perfectionism. Uh, I believe that's the next class that I'm doing. Um, although if the next class is not perfectionism, then uh, I'm sorry, we got we got out of order. But um, perfectionism uh, is, is definitely something that leads to insecurity and um, that desire to want to be perfect. Um, it can come out through comparing ourselves with other people, but it also stems from comparing ourselves with ourselves, with an unrealistic, high ideal standard that we that we've created for ourselves that is not something that God has asked of us, but it's what we think we should be. And... Um, if we're always chasing that ideal in our life, we're going to live uh, feeling insecure and inadequate. Um, so I will get into that more in the next class. Um, but that that wraps up most of my thoughts for today. Uh, I hope that this um, that this class will springboard you into more self awareness. Um, but also give you some more uh, tools to help overcome insecurity. Um, and I think David's going to join us for some of the coming upcoming classes and share from his perspective how he can relate to some of these things in his life as well. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for this class. And uh, I hope that you've been able to, to take something away that will help you. So join us next time on the Such Things Podcast. I will praise the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.